Retail sales tumble, putting a question mark on whether interest rates need to rise next week. The price of coal falls 25% in just two sessions, and Rio Tinto says it's looking for a lost, highly radioactive capsule, which is somewhere in Western Australia. It's Wednesday, the 1st of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, after the show, you've got a chat coming up with Chris Brikey, the CEO of online investment advisor Stockspot. Yes, beginning of the year, end of January, pretty timely opportunity to talk to Chris about uh, the investment outlook in Australia. We go through the share market and bonds and whether or not you should keep some cash aside for a rainy day or for opportunities in the next few months. Just a fascinating chat for anyone who's investing. Absolutely. And speaking of keeping cash aside, Sean, today is Wednesday, which means there's a new episode of How Do They Afford That available. And this week, Canna and I are talking all about Frugal February, which obviously starts today being the 1st of February. And it is basically a, an exercise in limiting your spending across the month. So it's it's a really interesting topic and you can find that one wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll put it in the show notes as well. But Sean, the main story this morning, big one, retail sales tumbled in December with department stores hit hard, but the local equity market liked the news because it suggests that the economy slowed significantly late last year and that could actually stave off another rate rise next week. Yes, Michael. So retail trade is one of the more important Bureau of Statistics figures. As a rule of thumb, consumption comprises about two thirds of all economic growth and retail sales makes up somewhere between a third and half of consumption. So yesterday's print is likely to detract noticeably from growth during this December quarter. Now to the details, Australian retail turnover fell 3.9% in December 2022. That's the first time sales went backwards in any month last year. These numbers are seasonally adjusted, which means they take into account the fact that December is always a big shopping month. Sales are still strong. They're up 7.5% through the year, but the cost of living pressures are clearly starting to bite, which is kind of what the Reserve Bank wanted to happen. Part of the reason for the slump may be a bring forward of shopping in November to take advantage of Black Friday sales. The Bureau suggested that people were smart about shopping at Christmas and spent money Black Friday, Cyber Monday, those sales. So that could be part of it, but still a near 4% drop in retail sales for a month almost unheard of. And so was this worse than expected? Because in the, in the lead up to Christmas, um, all the retailers were kind of talking up the momentum heading into, uh, heading into December, or is that just retailers being optimistic? It's a good question. Market economists thought that the number would be lower by about 0.2%, maybe half a percent. So it was down 3.9%. So it's much, much worse than expected. And anecdotally, there's been a bunch of retailers coming out saying they had a great Christmas season. Though those numbers are normally the six weeks up to Christmas, so that does include those Black Friday holidays. This is just the month of December. So maybe that explains the discrepancy, but there is certainly a discrepancy there. Okay. So what retailers are feeling most of that pain? Well, department stores had the largest falls, down 14%, followed by clothing, footwear, and personal accessory retailing. Now, that could well reflect the bring forward impact of those Black Friday sales. Food retailing was the only industry to record a rise in December, while cafes, restaurants, and takeaway food services were unchanged. Interestingly, it was very broad-based across the country, with the biggest falls in Victoria and Western Australia. All right, big question, Sean. What's it mean for rates? 
Well, the consensus view is still that the Reserve Bank will lift interest rates when the board meets next week by about 25 basis points. But most economists agree that the retail sales are a decent argument to pause any rise. So if the Reserve Bank needs a reason to not lift rates, the retail sales provided one. Of course, the higher than expected inflation figures last week probably trump the retail sales figures. Anyway, we'll find out in about a week's time, Michael. Yeah, and so local investors clearly liked the figures pushing the share market higher. Yeah, they did, and that helped the S&P ASX 200 reach a nine-month high immediately after the figures were released. But from there, it was mostly downhill, and by the end of the day, the market actually closed down five points to 7,477 points. Now, among the large caps, diversified minus South 32 dropped nearly 3%. It ended on $4.54. REA Group was off nearly 2% to just a touch under $125 a share. Gold Digger Newcrest Mining fell 1.3% to $22.25 a share. Lithium stocks also fell. Alcom was down nearly 8%. Mining Services Group Mineral Resources fell more than 4%. Heavily shorted stock Megaport fell 24% to $5.82 after it provided second quarter earnings. They fell short of investor expectations. That gave those investors a reason to sell out. That was easily the worst of the large caps. The retailers were the standouts. Woolies was up 3.5% to $35.98 and Coles Group was up 2.3% to $17.79. Sleep Apnea Group ResMed closed 2.4% higher. It's been up and down a bit in recent sessions. And beauty retailer BXW downgraded its sales and changed its earnings guidance just weeks after returning to the ASX on the back of accounting irregularities. Its share price fell another 14% yesterday, Michael. It's gone from $4.50 just before Christmas to $0.21. Oh, ouch. That is Mm. huge. Incredible. All right. What about international markets? Well, Wall Street fell yesterday, led by the tech stocks, but really the big news, at least for Australia, is coal, where prices have tumbled over the past couple of sessions. In fact, coal is off 25% since the weekend and is at its lowest level since April 2022. There's a bit going on in the market, which of course is all important to Australia because coal is our second largest export behind iron ore. China is back importing coal from Australia, which means price pressures on coal from other parts of the world have lessened. Also, Europe and the US have been unseasonably warm. I mean, it's still winter in the Northern Hemisphere, but there just hasn't been the demand for winter heating. And so that's reduced demand for coal. So prices have come off. Anyway, 25% in two sessions, that's pretty big. Yeah, pretty significant. All right, there's a bit going on. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, business groups are urging the opposition and Greens to pass the government's carbon trading scheme legislation. Both the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry and AI Group have called on politicians to pass the bill to provide business certainty. Aki Chief Executive Andrew McKellar says the legislation, which is an upgraded version of the safeguard mechanism created under the coalition, is the best way to secure planning and investment to decarbonise the economy without sacrificing reliability or affordability. It is somewhat unusual to see that the peak body of business lobbying the coalition to support Labor, but business certainty is all important at the moment. Yeah, sure is. And there's a bit actually happening in Canberra at the moment. What else is going on? 
Well, an expert panel led by former Telstra boss David Thode wants long-term investment in the federal service portal MyGov. They're recommending about $140 million a year. From today, domestic violence victims will be able to access 10 days of annual paid leave. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese yesterday called it an important and overdue measure. Australia and France will team up to supply Ukraine with millions of dollars worth of artillery shells with deliveries to start reaching the front lines in the next few months. Clearly, Michael, that relationship or the relationship between Paris and Canberra has improved markedly. And finally, New Zealand Prime Minister Chris Hipkins will make his first international visit as Prime Minister of that country when he visits Canberra next week. It seems very quick to be travelling internationally, doesn't it? I know we can't really judge considering uh, Anthony Albanese won the election on the Saturday and was on a plane on the Monday afterwards, but still. Yeah, I suppose that we're New Zealand's most important neighbour, so I don't know why. Okay. And now, Sean, Travel Group Flight Centre will pay $220 million for a UK-based agency as part of its push into luxury tourism. That's right. The deal gives Flight Centre a company that offers malaria-free safaris, foodie holidays in Vietnam, and luxury GBTQ holidays. That's according to their website. Boss Graham Turner, that's Flight Centre's boss, says the decision to buy UK agency Scott Dunn will help Flight Centre grow its presence in the US and British luxury markets. Now, part of Flight Centre's strategy is to develop a global set of luxury brands. It's chasing time-poor, wealthy people who are happy for a travel agent to do all the work. I'm time poor, but I'm not wealthy, and I'd love a travel agent to do the work. But <laughs> anyway. So unfortunately, you really kind of fall into a gap there, don't you? Yeah. Still yeah, of yeah. having no time, but having to do the work yourself. That's right. That's right. Flight Centre also yesterday upgraded its earnings outlook and gave some insight into the incredible bounce back from the COVID shutdowns. Now, these numbers are still below pre-COVID levels, but it just shows how things have changed. Corporate business transactions in the final six months of 2022 more than doubled to $5 billion. And the value of leisure travel went from $800 million to $4.4 billion. Amazing bounce back. Yeah, sure is. Now, how about this story, Sean? We mentioned it at the top of the show. Rio Tinto has lost a highly radioactive capsule somewhere along a 1,400-kilometre highway through the WA desert. Yes, the mining giant and Western Australia's government are attempting to find the widget, which is just millimetres in length and contains a small amount of the radioactive isotope cesium-137. While the risk to the general community is low, we've been assured, exposure to the substance could cause radiation burns or sickness. Now, Rio Tinto head of iron ore, Simon Trott, said the company was taking the incident seriously hopefully they are. That's according to Bloomberg. He apologised for the alarm it has caused the Western Australian community. Now, the widget was a component in a gauge used to measure the density of iron ore. Rio said the radioactive capsule was collected from the mine on January 12 by a transport contractor. It was due to arrive at a radiation storage facility in Perth on January 16. It was only discovered to be missing when its container was opened for inspection on January 25. So, Somewhere in that 1,400-kilometre stretch is a radioactive isotope. Do not touch. Call Rhea. Yeah, you know what? This seems like one of those things that we will still be kind of talking about this in 20 years or 30 years or something. There'll be a, a random news story pop up kind of uh, warning travellers not to touch things they find on the side of the road because 1,400 kilometres, they are never going to find that. No. 
No, I think it's eight millimeters. I think they said it was. Eight millimeters in 1,400 kilometers. It, it, you can just picture people out there in all the protective suits with those. Is it a Geiger counter, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and yeah. just kind of like in Dr. No, remember the first James Bond movie? Oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I've just got this image. They are. I'm going to call it now. I'm willing to make the big call. They will never find that thing. Mm. It just it reminds me of basically about 100 Simpsons episodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does feel like something that would go missing from the uh, the nuclear plant in Springfield, yeah. doesn't it? Hmm. Anyway, yeah. all right, moving on. Origin Energy's Queensland LNG venture shipped three cargoes to Asia in the last quarter and received more than twice what it would have if it had sold the gas into the local market. This is the pointy end of the gas price debate. Now, Origin, which is owned by thousands of shareholders, including many of our super funds, was paid around $23 a gigajoule on its Asian sales. On domestic sales, it received $6.31 a gigajoule. And that price in the December quarter was around half the price Origin got domestically in the September quarter. Following the brouhaha late last year, Origin and other exporters are now required to offer uncontracted gas to domestic customers first before exporting it. But Michael, as that December quarter figure shows, that's much less profitable. Yeah, certainly is. Battery Minerals Miner, IGO Limited, has unveiled a six-fold increase in profit and has its push into lithium to thank, but that couldn't prevent a 7.6% fall in its share price. Yes, that's right. Even though it cut nickel production, IGO announced a big jump in its half-year dividend from $0.05 to $0.14. Now, IGO transformed itself back in 2020 when it bought a stake in Australia's best lithium mine and the nation's first battery-grade lithium processing plant. As a result, lithium was easily the biggest contributor to the $591 million half-year profit. That's a long way from the $91 million it made 12 months earlier. But Lithium stocks aren't popular at the moment. They were sold off big time yesterday, hence the sell-off. Unusual to see a company making that much money and seeing its share price fall that far. And finally, Sean, AMP Bank has picked up the home loan business of Neobank Nano Digital Home Loans. There's not that many Neobanks left now. That's right. In Nano Digital's case, the fintech said it couldn't secure enough money to grow. So we're shutting its mortgage book and somewhere between half a billion and $1 billion worth of home loans will end up with AMP. Some non-bank lenders have found it very hard to compete with the big banks as interest rates have risen, mostly because their cost of funding is higher. They don't have deposits that they can use to lend out. Of course, that's what the big banks do. Neobanks have been very innovative. In Neno Digital's case, it offered 10-minute home loan approvals. You might remember those ads from late last year about the 10-minute home loan approvals but they found the going tough. Now, Michael, if nothing else, innovators and disruptors in in traditional markets like banking force incumbents to work harder. So Nano Digital won't be providing you with a home loan, but they have actually probably improved the competitive landscape among the rest of the lenders. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing. Moving on to overseas news now, and the global economy may have reached a turning point with central banks' efforts to reduce rising inflation working, or so it seems. The International Monetary Fund is now forecasting that the global economy will grow by 2.9% this year, which is higher than its previous forecast of 2.7%. And next year, the IMF is tipping growth of 3.1%, with emerging economies like China leading the way. Now, the long-term historical average for the globe is 3.8%. 
what that does show is that much higher interest rates throughout last year have worked. The IMF said the outlook for the economy is less gloomy and could be at a turning point with growth bottoming out and inflation declining. All right, Sean, last one, and I don't know what you'll make of this one. Australia, it seems, isn't the only country cracking down on social media influences. A food blogger in China has been fined about $18,500 after she posted a video showing her illegally buying and eating a great white shark. Yes, the woman broke China's wildlife protection laws when she purchased the animal in April last year and then ate it. According to officials, the woman, who goes by the name of Tizzy, T-I-Z-I, posted a video showing her picking up the two-metre shark from a shop, posing with it, then cooking it, and then eating it. In fact, the one I saw, she was actually lying next to the shark on a surfboard or something or other. The clip went viral, and many in China complained about cruelty to animals, and Tizzy has ended up with a big fine. There you go. I love the way you managed to link that back to the crackdowns on influencers here in Australia, not disclosing the fact that they're being paid for their opinions and the like. As Well, very well done making that a business news story, Sean. Yeah, look, it wasn't a business news story at all. I just thought it was a great story. So I wanted oh, to fantastic. include it. It's yeah. fantastic. And, and hey, however we need to link it back into business to get stories like that into this show, we will do it. We can do that. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview uh, with Chris Breike, the CEO of Stockspot. Yes, it's all about investing in 2023, equities, bonds, cash, any investor. If you're an investor, you must listen. Yeah, it is a fantastic one for investors. That is coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Wednesday, the 1st of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to check out that new episode of How Do They Afford That as well, our sister podcast that's all about making your money work a little bit harder for you. This week's episode is all about frugal February, which starts today, it seems. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day. Hold up. 